Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus 17. And again, I thank you for coming on Wednesday nights. And I was just sharing with someone earlier, I said, you know, you cannot make someone hungry for the things of God. Even God himself can't make you hungry. You yourself have to recognize that you need manna from heaven. How many agree you need manna from heaven tonight? Amen. And I know you, you believe that that's why you're here. Now, we've been doing a series on the seven redemptive names of Jehovah. And uh, last week, uh, Randy had shared, because I, I was not able to be here. I was not feeling well. And Randy shared on uh, Jehovah um, Rhea, the Lord, our shepherd. And, uh, you know, again, I was, when I thought about that, I thought of Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. One translation says, I have everything I need. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I shall have no want. Amen. And why? Because he is everything that you need. I'm telling you, man. Uh, see, the one thing I long for in every service, more than anything, uh, I mean, I enjoy the music, I enjoy playing along, I enjoy the talent, and, um, but what I want is God's presence. Uh, I want his anointing. I don't want to be entertained, and that, that's, not what, that, that's the thing I love about her, and I really believe it's because um, of, of the leadership uh, of music, that uh, they're not up here to be applauded, they're not up here to be looked at. They're not here to take credit for anything. That's what I like about our musicians. How many agree we got the best musicians and the best singers? Amen. We really do. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that my family is involved in that. Uh, extremely grateful for that. And I told my kids they can't quit singing until I quit. And, and so they're going to be singing until they're 85. It's just really going to be. And he's up there with one string on his guitar. Anyway, uh, so, but my desire is that they create and you create and we all create together an environment for God to move and bless his people and touch his people. You know, so deeply, and I actually shed a tear over it, and I know I'm getting old because I get so emotional now today, but about that par- those parents who lost that little girl at daycare, and uh, uh, she was only three years old, and it just broke my heart. Because they had believed for a long time for a child. And then they get a little child and she loses her life at daycare. And so I don't know if you heard about that, but it was such a tragedy. And so um, I wrote a little, I, I, I send out books that Tony, uh, Tony Cook wrote a book uh, called uh, On Life and Death. And um, about the hereafter and, and about this, the dealings of what you go through when you lose someone. And uh, so I wrote a little note to, to that family and, and sent that book to them, hoping that they find some comfort in what he uh, wrote, which I believe that, uh, that uh, they will. But, but I tell you, there's a lot of suffering going on around us, and we have to be prepared to minister to people. If you agree, say amen. amen. If we do, to give them words of comfort and hope, and uh, that God is not the author of death, he's the author of life. So many stupid preachers say, well, the, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. No, the Lord giveth and the devil taketh away. Or, or the circumstances of life take it. But God is not the origin of taking people's life. 
He, he gives people life. He doesn't take people's lives. If you believe that, say amen. Anyway, so I got to get into this. Seven redemptive names of Jehovah. Why is this important? Because the seven redemptive names of Jehovah reveal God's character. And, uh, you know, Hebrews 11.1, one, I'll just quickly quote this scripture. And you know what it says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, uh, the evidence of things not seen. I love the Amplified. It's the evidence of things not perceived by the five physical senses. That's what faith is. Now we know, according to Romans 10, 17, where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I thought that, I just was meditating on that. I don't want to get off on this, but it says faith comes by hearing. Now, listen, and hearing by the word of God. It just didn't say hearing the word of God. So, in your hearing, all your hearing or your perception to hear and understand the word of God will determine how the condition of your heart. If you come to church and you're full of animosity and strife and, you know, you and your wife are fighting all the way to church and you say, we'll pick this up after church, well, then you're not going to get much in church. Can I have an amen? amen. Praise God. Got Luther, got, I, I, I said that one day, I got, I got quiet in this Lutheran church. Somebody looked over and said, are we in Lutheran church? Anyway, just, that's just a, it's not down casting on any, in, on, you know, could have said Baptist, could have said Catholic. I, I, well, let, let me resolve it all. Sir Quiet in this Pentecostal church. Well, anyway, I always get in trouble. In verse 6 then, but here's what it says. When verse 6 says, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's God. It's impossible to please God. See, when I ask you sometimes, you know, hey, just lift your hands. What you don't know, though, I may be like the drill sergeant. I may be asking you to do something, but the moment you do it, whether you realize it or not, you just exercise your faith. And uh, to worship God. But why? Because God's a spirit. You can't touch him with your senses, so you touch him with your heart. And so anyway, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God or approaches God must believe that God is. He's what? That he is what his word says, and he is what you're coming to him for. Amen. I said amen. And by doing so, the Bible says he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. It means he's going to reward you for your seeking him diligently. That's why it's important when, during praise and worship that you're preparing your heart for him. This ain't about being entertained, ain't about just uh, tickling your fancy. It's about you individually preparing your heart, praise God, to receive what God has for you tonight. Isn't that good? And so anyway, uh, that's why, um, uh, I I mean, I quoted that because why? Well, Well, if you don't understand the redemptive names of Jehovah, then you cannot, you're not able to release your faith in who he is in your life. Amen. I said amen. There's people that serve God. They're born again. They serve God their whole lives, but don't know him. And they go to church, you know, they, you know, do their best, you know, raise their families and stuff, but they don't know God intimately. Amen. I want to know God intimately. Moses wanted to know God intimately. In fact, the Bible says that God was, uh, Moses was so close to God that God ministered to him face to face. That's pretty powerful. Amen. I want to know God that close. How about you? So anyway, in Exodus, the, so this, this series is important. So in Exodus 17, let's look at what we're going to preach on tonight. Uh, it's called Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. In the story here in Exodus 17, and the Bible says, um, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. 
Uh, and Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill and with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, and he fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur. Okay? Now I looked up, I don't know who Hur was, but we know that Hur. Not much. There's not much in the Bible that's talked about him, but he was of the tribe of Judah, and obviously he was close friends or associates with Moses and Aaron, who were brothers, okay? And so the Bible says that um, Aaron, uh, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, came to pass when Moses held up his hand that the Israel, uh, Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, uh, the one on the one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Now, would you agree that Aaron and, uh, that Aaron and Hur were just as important as Moses? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Everybody had their part. Those three, uh, those two were holding up. Uh, uh, Moses' hands, and Joshua was down there battling, praise God, and winning the battle. Amen. But it took everybody doing their part to win the battle. Can I have an amen? amen? So anyway, I don't want you to focus on the battle. I want you to focus on the end result here. So the Bible says, so Joshua discomforted Amalek, and um, I mean, they, they fought to the go, going down to the sun. Verse 14, the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it to the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of that altar Jehovah Nisi, and it's the Lord our banner. Amen. Now, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot. I mean, it does a few scriptures on the word banner, banner and I'll give you a couple of trans, different translations here. Um, say, uh, say, God is my banner. Yeah. Amen. And we'll look at what that means here this evening. Jesus came into the earth for one reason, and that was to strip Satan of his authority over man, which he did. Remember I told you last week uh, about the legion, the guy that was demon-possessed with 6,000 demons? Though he was possessed with that many demons, those demons could, could not stop him from running down to Jesus and getting on his knees and crying out to God. Is that powerful? Amen. Amen. He could control the man's life, uh, uh, but he could not control his will. Hallelujah. You know, when you get tired enough, when you get so sick and tired of being sick and tired and you cry out to God, God will be there in that moment to deliver you and set you free. Amen. So I'm grateful for that. And so here, uh, anyway, so Jesus did that. And he, and he did, according to Colossians 2.15, you can write that down. And according to sec, um, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 through 57, it talks, it confirms that very thing, that Jesus conquered the enemy, including death and the grave. And then what did he do? He turned around and equipped us so that we could confront and conquer the warfare that is in our lives. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. Psalm 60, verse 4 says this. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Hallelujah. And then Selah, stop and think on this. The Living Bible I really like. Listen to this. You have given us a banner to rally to. All who love truth will rally to it. Then you can deliver your uh, beloved people. Use your strong right arm. Anytime there's a reference of right arm in the Old Testament, it's referring to Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Amen. He was already there positionally before he died on the cross. Do you understand that? There was, there, there's the, the, the deity, the Godhead, Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, three in one. So positionally, he was always there. So that's why he was referred to. He 
He's referred to as the right arm of God. Amen. I said amen. amen. And so he says this. Um, um, then you can deliver your beloved people. Use your strong right arm to rescue us. Let's say that out loud. Use your strong right arm to rescue us. Amen. And so, praise God. And God did. The message through Christ. The message Bible says, then you planted a flag to rally your people. An unfurled flag, look at, to look to for courage. The word banner means to gleam from afar to raise up a beacon of hope. I asked them to put a picture of this up because um, I was told you I was watching that uh, series. Do you have that picture of this flag? Uh, uh, thank you. I asked them to put that up. This is Iwo Jima. Uh, the Battle of Iwo Jima. Now, again, I, I, I did not watch. When I watched it, I don't know, maybe it's just, I'm, getting, I'm more interested in history um, today than I ever have been. So I sat down and watched this eight-hour or ten-hour uh, series on World War II, high definition. It's called World War II uh, HD, high def. And um, so when they took Iwo Jima, um, they, they suffered 25,000 um, a, a 20, there were 25,000 wounded and 7,000 deaths of our Marines and, and great men and women, uh, mostly men, of course, to take this island. And, um, but when they took it, they would got, whether it was this island or all the islands that eventually took, they always t- uh, uh, picked up a flag and they drove it to the ground to let the enemy know that they conquered this island, praise God. And it gave all the other soldiers an inspired hope, praise God, that, hey, we're winning this battle. I said, we're winning this battle. Amen. So that is our banner. Our banner isn't the American flag. Our banner is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That he conquered the devil for us so that we could conquer the things that come against us. Let me say it again. A banner is to gleam from afar off, to raise up a beacon of hope. Amen. And, um, and whether you really realize it or not, you are in warfare. Uh, in your life. Again, I don't want to get on myself. So, uh, so number one, God has never, ever been the author of or has ever instigated or been the instigator of war or warfare. So I want you to know that. He has never been that. Amen. Never been that. Uh, Israel, you know, you've seen all the fighting over there. And of course, if you watch the propaganda news of America, they want to blame Israel for all that's going on. Israel has never, ever wanted a war. Ever, 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 ever. Do you understand that? In 19, study your history. And you won't be so stupid and, 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 and be seduced by the uh, moronic anti-Christ news media in America today. Uh, and, but just, knew, just, just listen, to the, uh, listen to history and watch and observe things. In 1948, when they became a nation, they finally came to what God called them. God called them, drew them. He drew them back from the north, south, east, and the west, from the four corners of the earth, and drew them back to Israel. I remember back in the 80s, they were hiring jets, huge, massive jets to fly into Russia, dry, uh, flying to South Africa, flying all across the world to bring millions of Jews back to their homeland because because they were compelled to come back home. Only God can do that. Amen. And then 19, and so this is 1948. Guess what? They, they were not a, I don't know how, I'm sorry. No, I don't have this acronym. Maybe some of you do. I don't think they were two weeks old. And five Arab nations attacked them. 
and they came right up to Jerusalem. There, there's bullet holes all over the, the, the wall, uh, you know, that surrounds Jerusalem. I mean, all, I mean, they're, I mean, they, by the grace and mercy of God, Israel pushed them back and conquered five nations with just uh, some very poorly clad and armed Jews. Amen. They, yeah. Amen. And then they did it again. I mean, I'm telling you, man, the 67-day war. I mean, this, uh, the six-day war. There was a war in 67. There was a war in 73. I mean, all these wars, they've never, ever, 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 ever wanted war. They just wanted a land of their own so they could have peace. And here's another thing. Any, any moron tries to tell you that the, uh, uh, that land belongs to the Palestinians. It doesn't belong. However, Jews are so gracious that they want them to live with them. In fact, they, the Palestinians, almost most of them there, it's just the radicals, most of them want, uh, uh, the Jews, don't, they love them. They want to be friends with them and, 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 and work together. They don't want any of that stuff. It's the, it's the extremists that are creating all this stuff, okay? And so they've never wanted, they've never ever. In fact, they've given so much land away, it's just stupid. And the Arab nations, there are 22 Arab nations that surround Israel. 22 Arab nations of billions and billions and billions of acres, but they want this little size of West Virginia. They want their little size of acreage for themselves. No, they don't. They just want to wipe out Israel. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> but I just get frustrated just because of the fact that God, you get seduced by this ungodly, twisted, radical, leftist people that we are listening to, and I don't, by the way, uh, 24-7. No wonder you, you wake up messed up as a believer. Stay in the Word of God. God will bless you. Hallelujah. All right, I'm done. Hallelujah. So God has never been the instigator of warfare. I just want you to know that. Never has been, ever. God has never been the instigator of war, okay? But we know, well, yeah, but we know who is. Revelation 12, let's, we'll go through this real quick, and I'm sorry for wasting the time sharing that. Revelation 12, verse 7. It starts out with then. Before we go on, the word then means before then, what they're about to say was non-existent. It wasn't before then happened. So let's read it. Then war broke out. So before war broke out, there was no war. Would you all agree with that? Amen. It was non-existent. So something happened. Then war broke out in heaven. Think about that. So the original warfare, we now started in heaven. Okay? Michael and his angels went forth to battle with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. The only reason they went to battle with uh, uh, that old devil is because they broke out in war. God didn't. Okay. And so, and the Bible says, and to battle with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they were defeated. Come on, give a shout like you're excited about it. Amen. <laughs> okay, some of you will get it later. But, and there was no room found for them in heaven any longer. And the huge dragon was cast down and out. That old, eight old, eight old serpent who was called the devil and Satan, he who was the seducer or the deceiver of all humanity, the world over, he was forced out and down to the earth, and his angels were flung out along with him. Okay? So, Jesus now, and again, I won't go there. Now, he witnessed this and confirmed it in Luke 10 when he told his disciples, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And when he hit the planet, listen, when he hit the planet, planet Earth, warfare came with him. Why? Because there's always been war in his heart. 
He didn't leave war up there. He brought it to earth. Y'all agree with me? Say amen. Amen. In fact, he's been the author of war in all its disguises. Listen, war stemmed from pride, hatred, envy, jealousy, strife, dissension, greed, covetousness, rebellion, resistance, racism. The very things that you and I were redeemed from and the very things that we need to avoid. If you agree, say amen. Amen. So, number two, the origin of all warfare. First of all, um, God has never been the author of any war. Number two, the origin of all warfare has always been relational. Rela- say relational. relational. Okay. Well, this is something when the Lord begins to show me these things. I was just having such a good time. Warfare isn't necessarily, listen, aimed at a person for who they are as much as what they have. Would you agree that if you were completely poor and you, and you were sitting out on the street living in a cardboard box, you probably wouldn't get robbed? Yeah, I mean, right? You would, yeah. I mean, you probably wouldn't. I mean, if you had nothing, they couldn't take something if, uh, from nothing. All right? So hang with me. So anyway, it's, warfare isn't aimed at a person for who they are as much as for what they have. Again, and I wrote this down. It's not personal, but it's positional. Amen. Now listen to this. Positional, meaning what? All mankind, including you and I, were made in the image and likeness of God. Genesis 1.28, okay? Therefore, it doesn't matter whether a person is B.C. or a person is A.D., meaning not born again or born again. doesn't matter. That person... And you know this, how many knew, you may not know what it was, but there was warfare or hell in your life before you got saved. So there's warfare. The moment you take your first breath as a little baby, there's warfare. You're surrounded by warfare and will be till the day that you take your last earth breath. That's why Jesus came here into the earth, praise God. That's why he... That's why he um, uh, did his work on the cross. It was to restore us to our, recre- our creator and to equip us for every battle that we face. So let's look at the origin of relational warfare. Go to Ezekiel 28. This is really good. Uh, are you getting anything out of this so far? In Ezekiel 28, we're talking about relational. When he showed me this, I thought, boy, if that ain't true. Re- I mean, if you didn't have any relationships, it would just be you. And you're not dumb enough to hate yourself. I'm just saying, right? Every single guy thinks he didn't have much of a problem until he met his woman. Every, I'm moving on. Every woman didn't think she had a whole lot of problems until she met her guy. Or whatever, whatever. It's always been relational warfare. Which started in heaven. See, Lucifer, we'll talk about him in a moment. Let's go on. God, this is so good. Let's go on. Okay. More, um, so this is the origin of relational warfare. Watch over. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, um, thus says the Lord God, you are the full measure. This is the Amplified. You're the full measure and pattern of exactness. I made you as close to me as I could. Now, I'm not going to try to trip you up in your thinking, but the Trinity, though it's three, it's one. 
How many believe that God is one? Not going to try to mess you up. So Lucifer was actually in second in command. He must have been quite a being. We'll read a little bit more as we go on here. And he says, you are the full measure and pattern of exactness, watch this, giving the finishing touch to all that constitutes completeness. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, the word perfect there, perfect, in the Hebrew, in, 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 you can look it up. I'm not beginning to stop. It means unblemished, undefiled, and upright. Isn't that, isn't that something? Isn't that, doesn't that remind you of us that we're to be unblemished when we get saved? Are we not to be unblemished, undefiled, and upright? Amen. Work with me. Are we not? Yeah. I mean, we're working our way towards that. Amen. Hallelujah. So what's interesting about that? Lucifer was a created being. Therefore, he had nothing to do with his beauty. Nothing to do with, his, with this, create, this creature that was unblemished. It was this perfect, I mean, it was such an exact image and glory of God that all of a sudden, something happened on the inside of him. And we'll read this as we go. Verse 13. You were no longer, excuse me, you were, you were past tense. It means, I put here, not any longer. You were, not, not any longer, but you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the carnelian, the topaz, the jasper, the chrysolite, the beryl, the onyx, the sapphire, carbuncle, and the emerald, and your settings and your sockets and your engravings were wrought in gold. And you know, this is, I mean, I don't know if you, you need to help me out. He was in the garden of God. Now what? Now hold it now. God put him there. God put him there in all his glory. That's interesting. That he put him in Eden. And then after he fell, God makes the garden in Eden and puts Adam there. To show what? To show Satan that he could make another in his image and likeness who would have authority over him and conquer him. Amen. So when you got gloriously saved and you got delivered from your distorted, perverted, messed up life, you just, I mean, you just proved, you just proved that Satan is a defeated foe. Is that powerful? Yeah, let's give God praise for that. You just proved it. You proved it. He's defeated foe. Amen. So let's read on. So on the, then he goes on, and your sockets and engravings were rotten gold. On the day that you were created, so there was a specific day that, that he was created. Watch this. On the day that you were created, they were, uh, they, were pre- uh, they were prepared, what, all the glory settings, all the beautiful coverings, all the stones, all the glory that was upon him. You were, that's past tense, the anointed cherub that covers with overshadowing wings, and I said to you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire like the paved work of gleaming sapphire stone upon which the God of Israel walked on in Mount Sinai. You were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created until 
iniquity and guilt were found in you. Through the substance of your commerce, you were filled with lawlessness and violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profound... Okay, I'll say this in a moment. As a profane thing from the mountain of God, and and the guardian cherub drove you out from the midst of the stones of fire... Watch this. Your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, and I lay you before kings that they may gaze at you. Now, God, according to, I I don't have time to get into it, but according to the word of God, there are seven archangels, but there's three that we're familiar with, right? Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel. Is that right? Amen. Now, God made all three of these created beings unblemished, undefiled, and upright. But because they possess a soul, a mind, the will, and emotions, each one of them was responsible to protect and preserve those virtues in their lives. When Lucifer baited one-third of the angels to join him, don't think, I, I, this, I believe this, that Michael and Gabriel weren't included in this political uh, coup. But they saw it. I said they saw it. And they didn't get hoodwinked by the enemy. Amen. So iniquity is found in them. Now, Lucifer was a created being, an archangel. Archangels are the highest ranking angels in heaven. His name, listen to this, God gave him his name. The word Lucifer means morning star and the light bringer. Morning star. Do you know why Jesus came into the world? It was to give us Lucifer's position. Because now we are the light bearers of the, of the world. Is that cool? I mean, you're more glorious than you think. But being in this Adamic nature keeps you humble. Can I have an amen? Isn't this good? Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you have more authority than you think you have. And boy, the day you discover it, Satan's going to be on the run more than he ever has in your life. Amen. I said, amen. Thank you, Lord. I said, God is so good. Anyway, anyway Lucifer was the anointed archangel of heaven's worship. God had put within him every instrument that produced every sound of worship. Remember, Phil talked about that. Worship that filled heaven with God's presence. He was as close as, he was as, close as anybody created being could get to God. He was as close to being God as you could be. Amen. Listen to this. Enjoying the fullness of God's presence, power, glory, and honor. Yet even that's never enough when your heart is full of covetousness. Listen, when the created being becomes obsessed with being the creator. (laughs) When the created being is possessed with being the creator. Are you nuts? That's why, you know, any giftings you have in your life, you don't have to boast about it. Give God glory. Because if there's any value, and I don't want you to ever devalue yourself, but the values that you have in your life, whether it's, you know, whether it's your, your personality to sell, what, you know, whatever giftings you have with your hands, with your feet, with your whatever they are, give God, give God the glory, hallelujah, because he was the one that put those things in you. We have nothing to do with it. If you agree, say amen. 
So he is the author of all relational warfare. I'm closing this, I have to. President Ronald Reagan believed what I'm about to say. So do I and so does God. So that's three pretty good witnesses. He believed that peace can only be obtained through strength. Only, only way. Peace can only be obtained through strength. When your enemies know that you're stronger than them and more powerful than them, then they're not so apt to attack you. And that is right on. Amen. Amen. Now, we had a couple of administrations that just about destroyed our military. Not, 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 not that that's the answer, but praise God, again, by watching this document, documentary, you have to understand, we were literally weeks away from being defeated as Americans in this nation being taken over by Germany and Japan. And I ain't just saying that. And again, our nation is, such, is at such a susceptible you know, a place right now, position, that's why we have to pray more than ever before. Amen. Amen. Because I don't want to lose the liberties that so many gracious men and women suffered greatly to preserve for us. Amen. Agree, say amen. amen. Peace can only be obtained through strength. Amen. That's also true spiritually. Peace can only be obtained through strength. Inward strength. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Before I read on, I want to say this. The stronger you are spiritually brings with it the promise of victory. And when I, when I wrote that down, I thought of David. When, listen to this. When David confronted Goliath, listen, he had already conquered him. Listen, he conquered him in his heart before he held his, hand, uh, his, head, held his head in his hand. He had conquered him in his heart. Why? Because he had developed all those years as a young boy, he had developed a relationship with God to the point where this young lad, instead of, he, all he was doing was shepherding his father's sheep. They weren't even his own. So what is it? Who cares if one or two sheep are gone? Who ca- I mean, take six. I don't care. They, they multiply so quick, could care less. No, no, no. Man, he took on a lion and a bear. Amen. I know all of you think that that, you know, some fable, and I mean, you may think it's a fable story. It's true. Amen. And not only that, man, once he, I mean, I love this story. Once he, once he um, I think it was the bear, he hit the bear, knocked him down. He came back after me, grabbed him by the beard and, and, and killed him. Oh, what a powerful young man. <laughs> That's what equipped him. It wasn't anything in the natural. It's, what, it's who he knew, not what he knew. I mean, it's who he knew, praise God. Amen. And he knew God. And that's why he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this man that doesn't have no covenant with God? I've got a covenant with God, praise God. And because I, I have a covenant with God, any enemy of Israel is an enemy of God. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's finish this. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, be empowered through your union with him. That's why these things are important. That's why these meetings, these little short 10 minute, 11, 12 minutes of praise and worship, they're just simply a time for us to gather corporately to, to experience a corporate anointing uh, for a corporate change. Amen. <laughs> so then when we leave here, we're just a little bit more equipped for what's ahead. 
because we don't know what's ahead. We trust God every day with our lives. Put on <clears throat> or draw your strength from him, that strength which his bondless might provides. Put on God's whole armor. That's your part. The armor of a heavy armed soldier. Heavy armed soldier. That means the battles, some of these battles you face are going to be great. A heavy armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. We read all these wonderful stories. I'll just think about a couple of David and Lion's Den. Isn't that something? We always want to be delivered from something. But these men were delivered in something. Amen. Wouldn't have been nice if he, you know, wouldn't have had to go into the lion's den. But I just want you to know, you know, if you're in a lion's den tonight, of, you know, I don't care what crisis you're in, God is there with you and he'll get you out if you just trust him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> His buddies, the three Hebrews, you know, God didn't deliver them from the fire. He, de- he delivered them in the fire. And because he did, an entire nation turned to Jehovah. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So just wind down with these three things and we'll close. If you'll work on and establish a strong spiritual relationship with your Savior, I'm talking about every one of us individually, God's word and the application of it will become the foundation of your life on a daily basis, and then you'll experience God's peace, God's strength, and God's help. God wants to help you, but we got to also work with him. Can I have an amen? amen? When we work on and establish a strong spiritual foundation within our marriages and families by being doers of God's word and not merely listeners, as the Bible says, we will be surrounded by God's favor. Amen. Again, I was singing that song yesterday and today. Walking in the favor of God. And I don't do it as a means of just... I do it because I believe it. And, and not only do I believe, I want it. How many want to walk in the favor of God? Amen. Walking in the favor of God, you want that. So sing it and expect it. And I do often, praise God. Hallelujah. Then you'll experience the harmony that he wills for us to have within the borders of our homes and close every avenue that the devil tries to get in. Can I have an amen? Amen. Finally, as we work and establish a strong spiritual union within the borders of Faith Family Church and fight the good fight of unified faith. Amen. Come on, stand with me when I'm going through a battle in my life. Well, see... I'm going to stand with you too. I'm going to stand with you. Believe God with you. Trust God that that thing you're facing, it's got to go. It's got to change in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. That's That's what we should be as a church. As we unify in the love of Christ and for the cause of Christ, we're going to reap the rewards of his peace and his provision, his power and his protection. Can I have an amen? Finally, let me close with uh, uh, Psalm 6, what we started with. But you have given us a banner, God says, to rally to. All who love truth will rally to it. Then you can deliver your beloved people. Hallelujah. Use your strong arm to res- rescue us. And God always will. Praise God. I want to bow your head. I want to pray for you. And we'll get the musicians back up here again. And, and um, 
as I said earlier, our banner is the cross of Christ. Our banner is the blood, his blood that is forever seated upon the mercy seat in heaven. Our cross is his resurrection. Amen. His resurrection, praise God. And, um, and, uh, and I love this. Our banner is uh, he being seated at the right hand of the Father as the high priest of our profession. Now, if you haven't listened to that series on the high priest of our profession, go back and listen to it. I really, I, I, it, that, I was inspired by that because that's, that's what I've held on to all these years. Again, I never go to God based on performance. Never. Because if you try, you will never have enough gold stars. You will never have enough good works. But you need to go to him. I mean, even if your heart is full of contention and strife, you get on your knees and go to him and repent and get things right with him. Amen. Because you have to understand. If you don't understand this, you're going to have one heck of a life that, that um, uh, humanity is not your problem. That your warfare is in the spirit. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You have to understand that. And then get on, your, uh, on the floor, uh, where, in a closet in your house, get somewhere alone, repent, and call out to God, and he will give you his grace and his power and his help. If you believe it, say amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.